Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Film Daily. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for April 27th, 2018. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Serretta, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Managing Editor Jacob Hall. Hello, hello. And Senior Writer Ben Pearson. Hey, what's going on? Okay, so uh, I'm back from Las Vegas, guys, and this this is going to be an episode just talking about spoilers for Avengers Infinity War. So if you still have not seen that movie, uh, go out this weekend, see it, and uh, keep this podcast in, in your podcast app and, and return to it after you have seen it. Because um, basically the purpose of this is talk about the ending and talk about the spoilers. Uh, so if you have not seen the movie, I, I would not recommend going any further with this podcast. Um but uh, b- before we begin, begin uh, I-, I wanted to get your guys' uh, general impressions of the movie. Uh, Jacob, I know you're a big comic book guy. What did you think of Avengers Infinity War? It's really, really good. I'm not so sure how it holds up as a movie, but as a grandiose multimedia thing that's 10 years in the making, I, I enjoyed it tremendously. I had a great time with it. I I don't think it's going to... I don't think anyone can write a dissertation on it, but it's a very, very entertaining, extremely interesting, uh, and often powerful thing. Ben, what are your thoughts on the movie? 
Uh, I would definitely watch this over Civil War any day of the week. And I, I say that as somebody who is not really a huge fan of Civil War. I was very, very worried about Infinity War. And I came away um, a, a little mixed when I walked out of the theater. But I think the more I think about the movie, the more I liked it. it it's very, I mean, it's astonishing that they were able to pull this off and, and make it uh, coherent and and uh, emotionally um uh, moving, I guess, is, is a good word for it. And I, that's the thing that I, I keep thinking and keep coming back to is how successful it was in manipulating emotions without necessarily um, sacrificing quality. So I, I think there's a lot to like about this film. Yeah, I, I saw this film at the world premiere earlier this week. And uh, I don't want to say I loved it, but I really, really liked it a lot. And um, I've just been thinking about it ever since. And I got home from Las Vegas last night. I think I got... Uh, it got home at like 9.30 p.m. And I was like, you know, there's a 10 p.m. screening down the street from our house. Uh, let's go see it. So I, I saw it again last night. And I, I, I do think I like it more uh, than I did after the first viewing. I think this is a film like Empire Strikes Back uh, that I feel like is going to grow on people the more and more they see it. I, I'm, I'm really curious to see what general audiences think because this movie has such a cliffhanger and downer of an ending um which i don't think uh <laughs> i don't think people are gonna expect you know n nobody expects thanos to win even though I, I guess we probably did but uh you know even though i expected thanos to win i didn't expect him to win in this devastating of a way and you know it, it's funny that all of us uh and by all of us i mean like the internet community of film and comic geeks we're all arguing over you know who's gonna get killed uh, is it going to be Steve Rogers or is it going to be Tony Stark? And in the end, it was everybody else. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we, we were all wrong. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, let's talk about this ending. I, I'm not even sure where to start with this. I guess, um, I guess let's start with, uh, do we think, do we think all these people are dead? Jacob. Of course not. Of, of course not. They're, they, they killed off all, or, in quotation marks, killed off all the characters who have upcoming sequels or, or who are still fresh and have movies under contracts. And they conveniently left alive all the actors and characters who are primed to exit for outside legal reasons. So that reason alone is enough to know they're not dead. Uh, but I, I do think that, um, and Peter, you, 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 you and I discussed this offline uh, in an article you wrote, uh, that characters who died before Thanos snapped his fingers, like Gamora, Loki, Heimdall, uh, that that crew, uh, I think they're dead for good. I don't think we're. I think they're gone. Uh, but everybody who got phased away um, by Thanos's grand actions, they'll be back. And that doesn't doesn't mean they won't die in Avengers Four. I I don't think Iron Man makes that alive in Avengers Four. But uh, Black Panther, Doctor Strange, all those guys, they're they're coming back for sure. You know, it's interesting because I feel like a lot of people are going to be in the theater watching this, and they're going to be devastated, and then they're going to be walking out of the theater and being like, "Hey, wait a second, they're making another Spider-Man movie." And they announced that Black Panther 2 and like, you know, slowly realizing as they're exiting the theater that like, you know, obviously there's a second part to this and there's, you know, they're going to have to reverse uh, th those, 
I don't know. Do you want to call them deaths? Like, what what should we call <laughs> uh, when people are turned to ash? Like, what? I don't know. Phasing away. I, don't phasing know. Away. Uh, I do feel like there's a difference between that and the deaths. And it should be noted, I, I have this piece on SlashFilm.com. I'll link it in the show notes. But uh, in the piece, it, it talks about the whole future of the MCU after this movie. And uh, one of the interesting things is Kevin Feige gave this interview to Entertainment Weekly, um, I think like a month ago or something. And uh, Entertainment Weekly basically basically asked like if people die in this movie uh you know are are people like there's that criticism that marvel could just bring them back from the dead as they have done in the past with uh numerous people like loki and agent colson and you know uh, samuel jackson uh nick fury Mm -hmm. um and kevin feige basically said uh that when they're dead in this movie they're going to be dead for real um, I mean, it's a little bit more complicated than that, but like he basically says that, uh, do you, Ben, do you think that applies to the people that are, uh, phased out or was, is that what you call, called it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, you know, I, I was when I, okay. So I walked out of this movie and I was like, okay, let me try to put myself in the mindset of people who don't read slash home.com every day and, and don't, you know, are not uh, intimately familiar with the contracts of these actors and try to think about this from a general audience perspective. Is there any way that Marvel could sort of stick to this uh, ending and like actually hold true to it and, and make it um, and not undo it moving forward. And I was thinking for black Panther, if they, killed black panther if the phasing away equals death in this instance and t'challa is gone i was like okay maybe they could put shuri in the suit for the next movie or something like that you know have a different character that we've already seen in the black panther solo movie take over that mantle but then as soon as you get to spider-man it becomes impossible because you know there's no way to uh just throw somebody else in that suit because you have to also have a radioactive spider bite them and it just doesn't work so (laughs) yeah yeah, that's that's why i think that uh spider-man's a big key here the moment spider-man fades away it should click in everybody's minds oh this is going to get reversed because i can see them killing off everybody else but not spider-man and and i just want to really i want to give a quick shout out to that moment because i did not cry in this movie i know a lot of people who did and but i have to say that spider-man moment the the scene where tom holland is in tony stark's arms and he is like i don't want to go I, I mean that was like as close as i get to <laughs> crying in a movie uh, my uh, my you know tears are welling up in my eyes that was like tom holland is like so so good in this film oh i teared up for sure during that and that, that was probably the only moment in the movie um i mean i i did it did hit me uh that moment where uh gamora realizes that thanos loved her oh, yeah. uh like it got to me but like it didn't tear me it, it make me tear up uh jacob did any of the the moments in this movie hit you emotionally? I talked about this on, on, on Twitter uh, for anyone who follows me, but I was incredibly impressed by Thanos and Josh Brolin's performance as Thanos. is a this motion capture performance where he's providing the voice and the uh, reference point for the visual effects artists. And uh, the most impressive thing about this character is that he's played and presented as being completely sober-minded. He's not a maniac. He's not a lunatic. He, he doesn't have greedy plans of like make himself rich or, or or powerful to control the universe in his own mind he wants to save the universe and and the movie presents this as being a something he thinks is the right thing to do and during the scene where he realizes he needs to kill gamora and he starts crying and because because he genuinely loves her even though nobody else in the film believes he's capable of love or affection it didn't make me cry but it like hit me like a 
like a freight train, like just watching those powerful guy in the Marvel Universe guy who's killing all of our favorite characters, uh, being presented with such empathy and such humanity. It was unlike anything I've seen in a Marvel movie um, ever. I mean, even Killmonger in Black Panther, who's a more empathetic villain, even he is still ultimately painted as, yes, he has to go. But Thanos here, I found him so complicated. And I have so many mixed yeah. feelings on him, and it really, really hit me in a way I was not expecting. Yeah. Can I ask you guys one question about Thanos before we go on any, any further? Um, I really loved the part when, I forget who it was, I think it was Doctor Strange, asks him, like, okay, and and then what? Like, after uh, Thanos explains his plan, like, to wipe out half of the universe, Doctor Strange says, and then what? And that is always my question for every comic book villain oh. ever, because it's always, like, world domination. And then you, your follow-up <laughs> question is, like, okay, why? Like, what do you want to do? And I think Thanos' answer was something like, I just want to sit there and relax and essentially have the world uh, or the universe thank me for for what I've done. And then, but then like, and, and I was like, okay, I appreciate that this film tried to answer that question, but then it's sort of, I don't know, it's stuck in my, the back of my head again. It's like, okay. And then what? Like it kept coming up again. Like, <laughs> is that really his end game just to sit there and take a breath and be like, okay, I've done this thing. I don't know, Jacob and Peter, but, do you guys have any thoughts about that? I, I do. And because that's, that's why we see Thanos, chilling out on a farm at the end, kind of just in, in retirement, because he's won. He doesn't, he doesn't, he, he's unemployed. He doesn't have a job anymore. And I, I hope Avengers 4 explores this. What happens when the villain wins? What happens when he gets what he wants? We never see that in these movies. I mean, does, does this mean he's satisfied? Does it mean he's bored? Does he want more? Does he feel regret? I mean, uh, he, where, where you see a, um, a big dangling question mark, I see opportunity for something to be explored that's never been done before. Yeah, and I, I think that and then what could be applied to, you know, the good guys as well, or even like, you know, anything in the world. Like, you know, you know, an Apple becomes the number one computer company in the world and they have achieved that that goal, and then what? I guess it's like staying on yeah. top. Um, right. But uh, I don't know. I, I do think, yeah, I, I think the and then what is, you know, him sitting down watching the sunrise and uh, knowing that he has accomplished his his goals. And we see that in the last shot of the movie, which is so good, by the way, uh, that it ends on him almost as if this movie, he is the protagonist of this movie and he is one and the Avengers were the bad guys in his story. I, I don't did know. Your, I, did your audience boo when the the credits said Thanos will return? Yes. Mine did. <laughs> mine did so many jeers. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Well, well, we're jumping ahead, but I love how they get to the mid credit scene, like, you know, after the uh, initial star credits and it goes to, like, the real credits. And usually that Marvel has a scene in between there. And there was nothing at the world premiere. Like, there was probably the loudest gasp collectively from that from like a theater of people I've ever heard and I, I ran into Kevin Feige afterwards at the at the world premiere and he was just like glowing at that gasp like he was like it was all worth it for that like gasp that people <laughs> re realized that this this is it <laughs> do you know what I mean um but uh you know we're, we're jumping ahead here I, I do want to go back and uh, talk about these guys that are really dead so so all of us believe that Tom Hiddleston is really dead. I mean, uh, Loki. Yes. And yes. Uh, Idris Elba's character, does anybody believe that somehow he survived? No, especially since... Oh, go ahead. Oh, they gave Thor his powers for a reason. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, and I was just going to say, especially since Idris Elba, I think, has been, um, you know, one of the actors who's the least interested publicly in returning for more Marvel movies. It, it seemed sort of like a Harrison Ford in Force Awakens kind of situation. Like they're they're putting him out of his misery almost. And by the way, we were so fooled by, you know, we thought like just because Hugo Weaving had no interest in coming back for another Marvel Marvel movie reprising his role as Red Skull. I, I remember even you, uh, Ben, talking about it on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, there was no way Red Skull was going to be in this movie. And he was. They just replaced yeah, I him. I was shocked. <laughs> um, oh, it's a funny anecdote here. Um, when, when, when the first cloaked figure starts hovering in front of Thanos, my wife leans in and whispered to me, that ring wraith sounds like Elrond. And it turns out it's a Hegel weaving impersonator. And it's just <laughs> a, it's such a bizarre little moment. <laughs> um, okay. Oh, wait, actually, while we're on Red Skull, I know we're jumping around here a bit, uh, but do you think his appearance here is to set up anything in the future of the MCU, or do you think that's just um, a cool kind of, like, end for him because, you know, he was so involved uh, with the Cosmic Cube? I'm interested in in what Jacob has to say about this. What it reminded me most of, it has nothing to do with anything, is how in the current Marvel continuity, uh, Nick Fury was essentially exiled to the moon uh, and now acts as the watcher for Earth, sort of chronicling all the important events, and no longer being a man of action, but sort of being cursed to watch all these major events, both evil and heroic, happen around him. And I'm wondering if maybe uh, this is being applied to the Red Skull, this, this formerly massive figure who now must stand by the sidelines and observe. And that's all I can think of. Maybe I'm completely off base, but that's what I was wondering. I feel like it has interesting implications for the future of the MCU because, and I don't remember, it's been a little while since I've seen Captain America, the first Avenger, but it seemed like uh, Red Skull sort of um, dissipated into thin air, like was obliterated at the end of that movie. And then he seems pretty normal and put together in uh, Infinity War. So I'm wondering if that implies that, you know, maybe people who we think are dead are not actually dead. Maybe they've just been transported to a different planet or a different plane of existence or something along those lines. What do you think about that, Peter? They're now force ghosts in this Marvel Cinematic Universe? Maybe, or yeah, but I don't know. What? I mean, I, would you even call Red Skull a force ghost? Like, do you think he has, like, a corporal body? <laughs> or I, I don't know how that works. I don't know. I, it's almost like this is a video game, and he, he went from being a main character into a, uh, what do you call that, NPC it's somewhere in the universe. Um, anyways, uh, I, I'm wondering if um, – well, it also begs the question because these Infinity Stones started with the Big Bang they explained in this movie, right? So they like were part of the creation of the universe as we know it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so who was guarding the Soul Stone before Red Skull? Any mm-hmm. ideas, uh, Jacob? Whoever was unfortunate enough to encounter the Tesseract before him. Ah. <laughs> um Tesseract is a space stone. It, it transports people through uh, through space. So I think that uh, if it's apparently by their accident or design, it shows Red Skull to go guard the Soul Stone. That would be my wager. It's also interesting that we all were betting on where the Soul Stone would be. We all thought it was going to be on Wakanda, or there was other theories, and then it ended up being someplace no one guessed. Um, so this film was filled with uh, kind of like the surprises let's get back to the people that that died Uh, do either of you think Gamora could still be alive we see her get thrown off a cliff Uh, Thanos 
sacrificed her. Um, I mean, we see her kind of like laying there dead at the the bottom of the. But I mean, she could still be alive, right? Man, I don't know. I, I don't think she could be alive in you know that shot of her with her legs askew and it looked like blood coming out of the back of her head. I mean, that seemed to me to indicate that she was dead at, at that point in the movie. But as I don't know if you want to talk about what we think might happen in Avengers four yet or or save that for later. But I think maybe Gamora, there's a chance that she could get resurrected. I don't know. Well, even- all I know is that oh, good. I was going to say, even Thanos says when he kills uh, Tom Hiddleston's Loki, he says that um, there will be no resurrection uh, this time. And I, right. I kind of take that as being everybody that dies in this movie. It's it's not going to happen for them. Uh, what were you going to say, Jacob? Uh, I was going to say that James Gunn has said in the past that Guardians Volume 3 will feature a slightly revised lineup. I was wondering if that was his coy way of saying Gamora won't be part of it, maybe re- replaced by Nebula. Or someone else, and I do think that if you're going to um, push that cast into like the cast of Guardians into the next area, remove removing a member, having like the uh, Peter Quill's uh, love interest, having a key member of the core team uh, be killed off is a is, is where you put that family next. How do they grieve Gamora? So yeah. just going from that evidence, I think that she is very dead, and Guardians will be a little different in Volume Three. Okay, the the final one of our heroes that I think uh, might be definitely dead, and that is Paul Bettany's Vision. Uh, do you think uh, Shuri might have been able to like back up his data or something, or do you think this is the last we're seeing a Vision? Hmm, that's a good question. Uh, it seemed like when Thanos ripped the Mind Stone out that his husk was pretty lifeless and and darkened there. So I, I don't know if that particular android host body is going to be inhabited (laughs) again but yeah maybe he shows up as like another version of jarvis you know uh, just like another uh maybe he he returns from whence he came kind of back to a computer program but uh maybe slightly altered this time and and then we'll have um you know how marvel's always doing these like takes on genre movies like you know uh 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 with the heist movie with Ant-Man, you know, like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, maybe they can do a version of her with Wanda <laughs> and Vision, and Vision is the computer system. <laughs> wow. No? Okay, maybe not. Uh, I'll, I'll throw I'll throw this pitch at Marvel right now. There is a 12-issue uh, series from a few years ago uh, called, uh, called Vision that followed Vision as he takes a civilian job working for the government and creates his own android family and tries to live in suburbia, and things go horribly wrong. It's essentially a mid-budget horror story, uh, but, but sci-fi gone awry, and, and AI gone terribly wrong, set in the Marvel superhero universe. But a big plot point of it is that uh, Vision is very much trying to control his own destiny, create his own family, try to um, recenter himself. So if they do bring him back, if he's not dead, and they want to make a Vision movie, uh, Vision can't open to $200 million, but he can center a 50 million dollar sci-fi horror movie so call me marvel <laughs> i'm gonna have to check that uh that series out i'm putting it on my list right now um okay uh we should talk about who who might still be alive off screen uh tessa thompson valkyrie uh we don't see her in the rubble you know we don't see korg or meek in, in the rubble on uh the asgardian ship um I have heard that there is, like, part of the distress signal that opens up the movie uh, mentions that some have escaped the slaughter. Um, do, you, do you think that they are still alive? 
I mean, it would be really easy for them to explain that away because they could just be on a separate ship, maybe off doing some sort of reconnaissance mission or something like that. And then they return and see that, you know, maybe they're they're completely unaware of the events of Infinity War and we can pick up with them sort of returning to where they thought the ship would be and then coming across the the destruction that Thanos left behind. Yeah. I guess the final person I'm, I'm kind of curious to hear your thoughts on is Benicio Del Toro's The Collector. Uh, we see him in this movie uh, with Thanos above him trying to get the la- uh, one of the Infinity Stones, but it ends up being just like a, what is it, a vision of the past or like what Thanos wants them to see? Yeah, I think just a projection. Projection. Uh, yeah. And then when we see reality, the collector's museum is like just destroyed and the collector is nowhere to be found. Uh, does that mean he is dead? I don't, think means, I don't think it means he's dead, but I think he's definitely off the table for now. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think anybody's screaming for more collector appearances. Um, <laughs> but I do think they, they left the open ended because if he's dead, he's dead. But if they need him back for a future story, hey, he, he's available. Uh, I think that's, I, I think that's a deliberately unanswered question because uh, – Marvel probably doesn't even know if they want him back for a future movie or not. Who knows? Okay. Uh, one interesting thing is when people start to disappear, uh, raced from existence, I will say, uh, which I think is the loophole that puts it so that, you know, Kevin Feige's statement that the people that die in this movie are dead. Um, you know, these people have not died. They have been erased um, or transferred somewhere. Uh, but the people that are left, it is remarkably the original core Avengers team. Jacob, do you have any thoughts on why that is? Is that is there a reason for that? Uh, I there may be an in-universe reason, like fate bound them together. But I think <laughs> the, I think the more logical thing here is one last hurrah for the old crew before they're replaced by Captain Marvel, Doctor Strange, and Black Panther in the, in Phase Four. And also, it's like like you were mentioning before, Peter, just a the most surprising thing they could have done because it was almost an inevitability in our minds that a lot of those characters would be the ones to bite the dust in this movie, and that's not what happened. What if we're actually in the multiverse or the the version of reality that actually gets erased? Do you know what I mean? And the people that actually got erased were the people that like stayed. Yeah, that was one of my thoughts was like the we've already seen Thanos using the reality stone to trick people into thinking that they're seeing something that they're not. So what if the entire ending, the entire idea of all of these people being wiped away is actually some sort of elaborate uh ploy on his part I, I don't really know what his end game would be there and and my wife and i were sort of speculating about this when we walked out of the theater and she was thinking because the time stone is also involved maybe he is he has gone for far enough into the future that he's realized the devastating effects that killing gamora has has done to himself and maybe he it has already i don't know maybe he's used the time stone <laughs> to somehow turn time backwards and also apply these this reality projection onto the world just as an and i don't know some some sort of test he's offering up to humanity i don't know i don't know what that would do though and that would make avengers for like a short film i think at that <laughs> point um what uh okay so i guess we're we're all i think under the assumption that avengers 4 has to have some then something to do with time travel right like they have to reverse the scenario in some way jacob do you have any thoughts 
Yeah, whether it's um, time travel through the time zone or time travel through another means. I know there are those set photos from uh, a few months back that show recreations of the Battle of New York from the Avengers, which Joe Russo, the director, has uh, debunked, saying offering a different explanation. Uh, or I, I don't know. I, uh, I don't know how time travel comes about, but I feel like that's the only way to do it. Uh, either that, or they get a hold of these Vinnie Gauntlet and snap their fingers and everything just comes back. But I, I do think that we're going to be seeing extensive use of the Time Stone because Doctor Strange seemed very, very aware of what he was doing in those final moments. He was not making a mistake. He was very much in control of his decisions, and he was the one who handed the Time Stone over after deliberately going against what he said he would do. He said he would not save Tony Stark uh, and, and give up the Time Stone, but he did just that. Yeah, but that was so, before he went into the future and saw all 14,604 possible scenarios <laughs> in which only one of them had the Avengers winning against Thanos. So, yeah, and I, uh, think, I think the idea of him, uh, uh, the only one reality that would work is the one where he actually gives up the Time Stone, I think makes a lot of sense because, as Jacob said, he's, he was very, very adamant about never giving that up. And then maybe just the final instance of like, okay, what if I do give it up is the thing that uh, that wins it in the end for the Avengers. Well, there is this kind of throwaway line. I, I want to say throwaway line because I, I feel like when most people see this movie, they don't like think about this line after leaving the theater. And that is right before Doctor Strange uh, disintegrates into Ash, he tells t- Tony Stark it was the only way. And I think this meme is, is in reference to this is the only possible timeline. This, this is the decision. This is in the timeline that they are actually going to win and to win they need to lose in some way. Um, right. Now, I know Jacob has another uh, thought on this, but I'm wondering, do you, uh, well, first of all, I want to debunk uh, a theory I think I, I, that I came up with. It's like maybe the theory is one of the possible, you know, six, uh, uh, 14 million possible outcomes uh, was, you know, him doing that to to kill time and then thor shows up with the stormbreaker and cuts off thanos's arm instead of striking him in you know his heart uh i don't think that's possible because i think you know for thor if you look at thor's journey in in this movie from a character perspective he's looking at this as a thor movie he's looking at this like this is if, if you look at his whole run in this movie it's almost as it's a revenge tale. You know, Thanos has killed his brother and it's his journey to get the weapon to kill Thanos and, you know, enact his revenge. And I think in that revenge tale, there's no way there's no possible uh, multiverse version where Thor appears and doesn't use the Stormbreaker to, you know, cut into his chest instead of his arm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um. Anyways, that, that that's just a geeky whatever. But um, the the thing I was gonna suggest here is, is it possible that Doctor Strange has put a spell on the Time Stone, and thus when he hands it over to Thanos, and Thanos you know uses it to erase half of the universe, that somehow it's not erasing them, but transporting them to another time, dimension, or place. Ben, any thoughts Hmm. on that? Well, I don't know how much the Time Stone... You know, we see him use the Time Stone to reverse uh, Wanda's killing of Vision later in the movie. So we know that the Time Stone works as it did in Doctor Strange. But So I don't know if, if 
Strange is, uh, I mean, he is the master master of the mystic arts, but I don't know if he's capable of uh, applying some sort of spell. I, I guess there's nothing, I, I guess I should say, there's nothing in the movie that reveals that, that, or that sets up in any way that he would be capable of producing a spell that allows the time stone to function as normal, but also serves a different purpose when combined with the rest of the stones. I, I just don't know if that's plausible. Okay, well... I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of wondering. Well, okay. Let, let, let's uh, go to Jacob because uh, Jacob, I know you have a, a different theory on this. Like, what has happened here? Is, is there a spell? Uh, I don't think there's a spell. In fact, I, I want to echo back to something you said earlier, Peter, or, or at least something that you implied earlier. Um, I do think that Doctor Strange uh, saw the right future. He saw the one future everybody lives, but in that one future, it involved everybody losing very badly first. Everybody, everybody has to fade away. The Avengers have to fall apart. The universe has to suffer this huge blow in order for victory to happen, because there was no victory in that moment. There's only a long-term victory. So whether or not that long-term victory ends up involving time travel or not, we'll see. But I, I do think, I don't think there's by, a spell. By the way, I if, think I, there's, if I was Doctor Strange and I saw this one possible victory, and I knew that I ha- we had to lose to get there, wouldn't you tell the rest of the team that? Before? No, they wouldn't believe you. you. You don't tell Iron Man, you don't tell Tony Stark, hey, we got to lose. He's, he's, he's the guy least likely to ever believe that. I think he. I think that he made the right choice, having read the room. Okay, um, let's talk a minute about uh, the upcoming films. Ant Man and the Wasp comes out in what a couple months, um, uh, and s- seems to be largely not related to this movie. Ant Man and the Wasp weren't even in this movie or referenced in this movie. Uh, t- the The film takes place in the aftermath of Civil War, so that takes place, you know. Uh, years before this movie, I guess. Uh, and um, we don't know, you know, how this connects with Infinity War or if it connects with Infinity War. I remember when I was on the set of, I mean, Avengers 4, sorry. Uh, when I was on the set of uh, Infinity War, I know that uh, Joe Russo said that of Captain America and Ant-Man and the Wasp, the one that they were working uh, in conjunction with the, the the filmmakers of the other film, the most was Ant Man and the Wasp. That there's some connections of some kind. So, uh, Ben, do you have any ideas on how Ant Man and the Wasp might connect with uh, Infinity War and Avengers Four? I mean, I, I'll steal from our own Brad Omen, who uh, we were talking about this a little bit earlier in our Slash Film Slack channel, and he was suggesting that maybe um, Ant-Man and the Wasp are in the quantum realm during their movie, and then they pop out after the events of Infinity War, and that makes sense to me, um, because we we know that they're going into the quantum realm in Ant-Man and the Wasp to retrieve Janet Van Dyne, but we don't really know, and, and like you said, most of the film takes place in the aftermath of Civil War. So we assume that's you know uh, a couple years ago in in movie time. But we also don't know how that film ends. So it seems very plausible that they would go into the quantum realm. And as we know, time is a little wonky down there. So maybe when they pop back out, things you know they're coming out in the aftermath of Infinity War instead of Civil War. Yeah, the quantum realm is an alternate dimension only accessible through magical energy and or uh, the Pym particles uh, in the quantum realm. Space and time are believed to be irrelevant. Um, so I'm wondering, yeah, I'm wondering if uh, if well, I also think there's the possibility that somehow some of these people have been sent to the quantum realm in some way. But maybe maybe I'm wrong. It does seem like Ant-Man 
in Ant-Man and the Wasp are setting up this quantum realm to be a bigger part of this universe than, you know, just, you know, that little corner of it. Um, I'm wondering if, the, you know, it's going to fit into there. Do, do you guys think coming off of Infinity War, do you think people are going to be disappointed when they go to see Ant-Man and the Wasp and it's, you know, a prequel to Infinity War and doesn't take place, you know, it doesn't have any answers for them? It's a really good question. I think certain audiences may see it as a really refreshing uh, afternoon compared to the heavy Infinity War, which it, it's a polarizing movie, whereas the Ant-Man and sequel to be these uh, very zippy, fun, escapist movies. So I think that, yeah, I think you'll see some people grumbling about it, but I think you'll see more people happy for the break. Okay, let's talk about the after credit sequence uh, just just quickly. Uh, ben, you wrote this up for the site. Uh, what happens in the after credit sequence? Yes, so we see uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. agents Nick Fury and Maria Hill driving through the streets of New York, and suddenly a helicopter crashes into a building nearby. We assume that its pilot has, has vanished because the effects of Thanos snapping his fingers has finally caught up with them, and uh, people just start disappearing in the streets. Um, Maria Hill sort of fades fades away, phases away into nothing, and Nick Fury runs into the back of his vehicle and pulls out this mysterious device and manages to send a signal right before he himself turns into dust. So the camera pans down and we see this logo on this device and it's the logo of Captain Marvel. Um, the device looks sort of like a like a beeper or a pager or something and I think that means that it's probably old technology um, which sort of ties in with the 1990s setting of the upcoming Captain Marvel solo movie. So I, I think there's definitely uh, some sort of contingency plan in place where Fury and Carol Danvers have some sort of agreement where if shit hits the fan hard enough, uh, he's going to call her and she's going to come save the day. Well, this is interesting. You know, we don't know what Captain Marvel really is. We know it's said in the 1990s that Samuel Jackson reprises his role as Nick Fury uh, with with two eyes this time. And, um, you know, it's it's a uh, the bad guys are the Skrulls. Um, but we don't know what, where Captain Marvel has been for the last what uh almost 30 years mm -hmm. um but uh apparently she's around because you know he has this device to call her uh w w jacob where do you think she's been are we gonna find out in captain marvel uh yeah in fact i wouldn't be surprised if the captain marvel post credit scene is uh carol denver's getting uh, a message on her beeper from nick fury saying come back to earth uh but i think she's in space that's the easy answer because uh Captain Marvel spends a lot of time in space. She has, she's half alien DNA. I think that for whatever reason, she had to flee Earth, um, maybe to keep the scrolls from coming back, maybe for a different reason. And she's been uh, gallivanting around the galaxy for 30 years, not aging because she's half alien. And uh, I think that we'll get all that set up and established right before the credits. We see her fly into space. And right after the credits, we see her coming back home. You know, the one thing I didn't expect from this movie out of all the things is that it would be a crossover with the HBO leftover show. Um, like, <laughs> right? It definitely seems like it, uh, that sequence, um, if, if anybody out there has watched that show. Um, uh, I, okay, so let's talk. Um, I think a lot of people coming out of the sequence, by the way, some of the best uh, end credit sequences in Marvel cinematic history have had uh, moments where most of the theater is like, what does that mean? Who is that? <laughs> and, uh, you know, starting with Nick Fury uh, in Iron Man or Thanos' appearance in, in um, 
uh, which we call Avengers. It, yeah, Avengers and this one. Um, so, uh, you know, I would put this up there, uh, but uh, it, it, I do think it's a uh, a little uh, um, de- deceptive to think that, you know, we're uh, people are going to go into Captain Marvel looking for answers, and it, it's this period piece. Uh, in fact, actually, I, I have learned that this after credit scene is something that was uh, shot late uh, in reshoots, that they originally had no after credit scene whatsoever, uh, which I think would have been extremely bold to end it with everybody in the theater waiting for something and there to be nothing but, you know, Thanos will return in. Um, But uh, so so I guess I'm wondering, guys, um, uh, where... So I, I guess you answered the question. Captain Marvel is in space, but do you think uh, Captain Marvel the, the movie otherwise will at all address Infinity War? Uh, I don't think so, not at all. I think it's just going to be pure and simple Captain Marvel origin story, uh, with maybe a post credit scene tying it in. Uh, but I do think getting this complete uh, character bio, getting to know her so well through her own movie, will mean that two months later when she pops up in Avengers 4 you don't need to do the heavy lifting everybody already knows yeah well they'll have to explain her disappearance and also uh why Ant-Man and the Wasp were not seen in uh Infinity War uh and And um, where Hawkeye was too yeah where Hawkeye was but all these characters are appearing in Avengers 4 the yet to be titled Avengers 4 which I guess that leads us to the end of this podcast which I want to talk about uh, what will Avengers 4 be titled because uh, for some time now the filmmakers uh, in Kevin Feige have said that the Avengers 4 title has, has not been announced because it's a bit of a spoiler for Infinity War now that we've seen Infinity War what do you think the title is going to be Ben? Uh, my guess would be Avengers Reassembled, um, or or maybe like Avengers Resurrected, something that's very because like you were saying, we don't know how general audiences are going to respond to the ending of this movie, and they don't know that Avengers Four is coming out yet because they don't read our site and they don't you know they don't pay close attention to them. My parents don't know. They might go see Infinity War because they've seen a bunch of the Marvel movies, but they don't know the layout of the future of this uh, franchise. So. The idea of uh, Marvel titling this uh, uh, Avengers 4 something that is sort of reassuring to the audience, like, hey, come on back. It's okay. We didn't actually do the thing that you thought we did at the end of Infinity War kind of makes sense to me. But I just I don't know. Uh, Do you have any theories? Um, For the longest time, I thought Avengers disassembled. But after seeing this film and seeing the downer ending I don't think that would play to general audiences. I think they need something more optimistic, like you know your your suggestion of reassembled. Although disassembled is a uh, a comic uh, line, right? Uh, I'm not sure uh, reassembled is. Uh, Jacob might know better than I. Um, Jacob, what what are your idea? What is your idea for a title? Uh, my idea for a title uh, makes sense um, in that it's a line of dialogue from the movie, which I think is going to be Avengers Endgame, which I think. So there's everything you know. It's the end game for phase three. Uh, it suggests finality. It's simple. It gets a point across. Um, but it's not a spoiler for Infinity War. It doesn't like it's not something that you need to keep hidden. So that's, so maybe I'm completely wrong there. But the moment that that line was said, I think it was, again, it was Doctor Strange who says this is the end game. Uh, yes. Somebody somebody says uh. it, and um, uh, and the moment I heard that, I said, oh, that's the title of the next movie. Okay, as as a person uh, who reads the comics, Jacob, I know. Uh, you know, Marvel loves to take their titles from the comics. Uh, not that all the titles have been from the comics, but um, 
a, a vast majority have. Uh, so I'm wondering if any of the Infinity titles will be will be a possibility, like Infinity Gauntlet. Is there a reason why that shouldn't be a title? I think because it, it makes sense uh, in in that if the next movie is about the the fight for the Infinity Gauntlet, as in the Avengers want to take it from Thanos and uh, use it to fix everything, then yeah, it's maybe an appropriate title. Uh, but I feel like it's a bit of a letdown after Infinity War. It's such it's referring to an object in your title after your previous ones about this massive conflict. It, it just feels weird to me in a, in a way that I can't quite put in the words. I, I think we're going to get something that doesn't have the word Infinity in it. What about the the title from the sequel in the comics, The Infinity Crusade? Hmm. <laughs> no, okay. I, I know the comic doesn't sound anything like where we're we're headed uh, in the MCU. And also, actually, one last thing. Uh, you know, I was watching this movie again last night, and after Thanos snaps his fingers, and we come back to him, it looks like the gauntlet is kind of like burnt and like I'm not sure if it's wrecked. Is it like a one-time use thing at that level of power? Yeah, it hmm. was definitely it was definitely damaged. It was definitely crumpled and burnt up a bit. So I'm very curious to see uh, if this means Thanos' power is um, gone or if it means maybe the gauntlet can only do an action that big one more time, which means who gets to use it, Thanos or the Avengers. So uh, it's, a, it's a, definitely something worth noting. Can I uh, ask you guys uh, what might be a very dumb question? And I only saw this movie once, and it was a few days ago, so I don't remember. And you guys might have this a little more fresher in mind, especially you, Peter, since you just saw it again last night. But um, so... After Thanos snaps his fingers, do we see him interacting with anyone in the quote unquote real world again? Because in my recollection, we only see him in that really cool orange sequence where he's like walking on water and he sees like the young the vision of young Gamora. And then we see him at the very end, like sitting in a hut looking out over this farm planet kind of thing. And I'm wondering if like when he snapped his fingers, if we didn't see him again, did he, is he included in the people who dissipate, you know, disappeared and, and vanished into nothing? Huh. I never even thought of that possibility. Uh, Jacob, do you have any thoughts? Uh, it's an interesting thought. And uh, you're right. He, he definitely does not interact with anybody uh, for the rest of the movie. We only see him in that fantasy sequence and then on his farm at the end. Yeah, so and that it's... farm, like he, you know, he he sort of he used the reality stone earlier when he was standing on Titan to show the people there what his planet used to look like. And when in that final shot of him looking out over that, it sort of reminded me the landscape sort of reminded me of what his planet used to look like before it was destroyed. So I wonder if it's almost like an alternate dimension or or if it's some sort of version of an afterlife for Thanos. I, I don't know. It was just something that, that crossed my mind that I was wondering if they if it might factor in in future uh, entries. Hmm. Well, we're going to have to speculate uh, about this for some time because Avengers 4 does not hit theaters for another year, right? So um, we're going to have to wait and see uh, what happens. And uh, I'm sure we'll be talking about it on the podcast and on the site. You can find links to my piece on uh, from, from the site and uh, Ben's piece on the post credit sequence in the show notes and uh, on the site, SlashFilm.com. Uh, this podcast, SlashFilm Daily, is published every weekday, uh, bringing you the latest news and best features from SlashFilm.com. You can find it on all the popular podcast apps. Please uh, go write a re review for us on iTunes, spread the word, tell your friends, and we'll see you on Monday.